Hey guys, Taylor here from the Third Line Plug Sensecast. Hope everybody had a great holiday, and I really hope you enjoy this week's episode. I do got to make a quick disclaimer, though, before we start this episode off. We blew it. So, you might know that I said on this episode, it was episode 136, the Colin White edition. However, it's actually the episode 135. I greatly appreciate you guys listening, and I'm so sorry that we actually screwed up on that. So, honestly, yeah, this is episode 135, not 136. Anyways, let's get to the episode. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Not joining me from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, but joining me in studio, Mr. Tim Jesse. Tim, welcome back to the show, my man. Does it count as a studio if we're just sitting around like a dinner table? It counts as a studio. I mean, obviously, this is the first year that, like, we're not in the proper studio. We're actually at Katrina's place right now. We're just sitting at the kitchen table recording, and it was funny because... Like, like I've mentioned in the podcast in the past, like, your mom and dad just live down the street. Yeah. So, I literally, about 20 minutes ago, I just walked down the street, down that super, I wouldn't say super steep. It's pretty steep. Steep. It's a really good toboggan hill. I am, and I was thinking about that when I was walking down, because I imagine you and Chris are both crazy enough to be like, hey, we should take our toboggans down here. How fast can we go? Yeah. I hit a rock. I was more worried about the yellow dividers oh we took those out okay that's that's smart yeah so uh if they were still in it'd be like no i know it's funny i was like i was watching this video on like instagram or tiktok or whatever and it was this guy and he's on a skateboard and he goes oh shit and he hits the snowbank and he like goes head over heels Ooh. over the snowbank into the bushes and i mean Ugh. it was like something you'd see out of like Looney Tunes. Jackass or something. Yeah. Like when uh, Ryan Dunn had the BMX bike and he just like flung himself into the bushes. <laughs> oh, good lord. Yeah. So, Tim, I'm super excited that you and I can get together today. Not only because you and I are finally in the same room for the first time since, what, last Christmas, I would imagine? Yeah. What said that? I was trying to think when the last time we were in studio, but yeah, I guess last Christmas was the last time. But not only am I super excited because you're here, but because we got a great cover athlete to talk about for today's episode, Season 6, Episode 12 in Chronological Order, Episode 136, the Colin White edition of the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. So, just a little background about Colin White. He was drafted 21st overall by the Ottawa Senators in 2015. He played parts of six seasons for Ottawa, recording 36 goals, 62 assists for 98 points in 224 games. He's currently in his first season with the Florida Panthers, recording 5 goals, 7 assists for 12 points in 31 games this season. Colin White's an interesting player because he's a guy who was probably one of the first guys to sign on with the Ottawa Senators rebuild and unfortunately that contract is kind of sent him out of town because the guy just, he had promise as a second line center. Always been very defensively responsible but just kept getting injured. Yeah, it's very unfortunate and Colin White's one of those guys that when I look back on his tenure I tend to forget that he played 
as long as he did, just because he was so injured. And I was looking through it. I don't even think he played a full 82-game season. I think he had one year where he played 60 or 76 or something. Yeah. And it's like, it's one of those guys who it's... I always go back to Patrick Eves. Like, here's this promising young guy whose career was just incredibly derailed. And you always kind of wonder, it's like, what would he have been? And I think Colin White would have been, well, pretty good second line center. Yeah, even in, I believe it was last season when he came back, and he, he played all right. Like, he wasn't amazing. He wasn't a world beater, any of that kind of stuff. But you watched him, and you're like, okay, he's fine. He's good. And, like, the thing is, like, he's he's never going to finish quite like he did when he was playing. Well, he's never been a big finisher. He's always been a big setup guy. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, it, it does kind of suck for him that uh, a lot of his what people were thinking he was going to be was based off him being the setup guy for Mark Stone. Yeah, and unfortunately Mark Stone's not with the Sens anymore. But, you know, when I look at Colin White now, it would have been interesting to see if the Sens kept him around because you know how they brought Derek Broussard in. I think he could have really been pretty good in that role on, like, that fourth line. But one big thing we never mentioned about Colin White so far is the World Juniors because that was the year that Shabbat, it was either him or Shabbat, won the MVP. And the other guy was the other. Was the, was the back? Was the follow up? Yeah, and like that's the thing. There's just so much promise with the guy, and then yeah, injuries took their toll. And it's good to see that he's been able to work out in Carolina at least in fourth line minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. So Tim, as much as we could sit here and talk about Colin White, it only delayed inevitable because we've got to announce next week's cover athlete poll for season six, episode 13, and chronological order, episode 137. Now, I was a little bit late getting the poll up for this week's episode, so I will have to put up the poll for next week's episode after we do this episode. And there is actually three guys I want to put on the board, Tim. Okay. Dean McCammon, Corey Locke. Casey Bailey. Now, you might be asking yourselves, well, what about Josh Norris? Didn't we already vote for him? That's, his, that's why. And this is something that I actually wanted to bring up. Because as we're hitting the mid-30s once again for our in the 100 episodes, you're going to see a lot of repeated guys winning the cover athlete poll. So, I have to, so we'll have to figure out, okay, do we disinclude them now? Yeah. But then, of course, once we start getting into the eighth, the 70s and 80s where we get to, oh, I remember that guy from EA Sports. Oh, yeah. No, those are great. Yeah. We'll just have to do something else. Yeah, we'll have to figure something out, man. We'll have to figure something out. Heck, we might even put our favorite sense teams from the EA Sports games. We'll have to figure something out for those. Yeah. As you can tell, like, there's not a ton of planning for the most part when it comes to us. We have some stuff that we, we plan. something in the hopper. Yeah, but for the most part, it's like... Well, yeah, I think I put it up in on Twitter that one time, and it says, this is how Tim and I, we uh, develop an episode. You message me. Tay, you want to do this episode? Okay, yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, it's almost like two guys sit together and remember the names of hockey players. Kyle Turris. Does that even count as a... Is Kyle Turris retired? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, he works for the uh, Coquitlam Express now. Oh, neat. Yeah, it was funny. He, like, they, they when the... Coquitlam Express came to Duncan. I considered going to that game to see if he was there. What's he do? I think he's one of the managerial guys on the team now. Okay. Because, I mean, that's the junior team he played for, right? Right, right. So. 
honestly, yeah, well, I mean, we could just sit here and just name off just like name random players. sense players that we remember. I mean, it's not like we haven't done that for the last six years, but that's not the point. We just call that the cover athlete. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's just we had just had a title for it. So, Tim, now that it is the holidays, and um, you're here in studio. I gotta ask, man. Like, first of all, how has your holidays been going? I know you you're back on the island. Yeah. You finally you got here before the, the big snowstorm that we got. Well, was, we landed as it was happening. So, like, I was actually surprised we even, we landed in Victoria. Let's be honest. And had my flight not gone, chances are we wouldn't have made it. That have been like fucking. I'm staying home. Yeah. So uh, I think I mentioned this on the podcast last week that. I was driving to the airport at, like, midnight <laughs> yep. to pick up my buddy, whose flight did get delayed, because he was supposed to go uh, Ottawa, Calgary, Calgary, Kelowna, and then drive to Penticton. Okay. And this is just how bad the delays had kind of crippled WestJet. We were lucky that Air Canada didn't seem to have been as badly affected up to that point. So he's like, okay, my flight's been delayed until mid-12.30. I checked his flight itinerary. He's like, okay. Oh, it's now going to get in at 1. <coughs> so at 12.30, it still said it was going to get in at, like, 1.15. So I was like, okay, I'll leave the I'll leave the house now and uh, drive to Calgary Airport. And I was like, oh, I might need to find gas. I drive around. There's no gas stations open, at least in my neck of the woods. I was like, okay, I don't have enough time to go drive to, like, a 7-Eleven that'll be open. Four, right? Yeah, because you live in the northwest part of Yeah, in the northwest. And like I was like, oh, I should go to the co-op and get some money. Oh, no. All this, all the self-serve are closed. And no one's here. And it looks like the Safeway is closed as well. Shit. So then I just drive to the airport. And uh, I get there. And uh, this is on me for not using a map. I, I take a few wrong turns. Instead of getting on the main parkway into the airport, I accidentally get onto the business, like the business frontage road for the airport, and I drive by all the hangars and all the long-term parking lots, and then finally get back. And then uh, I don't get over far enough, so instead of getting into the parkade, mm-hmm. I get into the security parking lot. And I was like, oh crap! And I tried. I was like, okay, I can just like do a whippy shitty. No, I can't. There's no exit there, so I have to like sit there, wait for some security guard that laugh at me for making the wrong turn then drive all the way around the airport to get back into the parkade and I get there and I was like okay he he should like the plane should be getting in it says they're getting in his plane had landed it sat on the tarmac for an hour so I'm sitting there just because of the or just because it was just not ready to board they couldn't find a dude to extend the gate And Calgary's a major airport, too. Yeah. You would think you they would be able to find a guy to do that. Yeah, I don't know what the hell happened. Yeah, so there wasn't a guy to, like, just press the button so the gate goes... So they sat on the tarmac for an hour while his flight to Penticton flew off. Oof. They had held the flight for two hours. Wow. That's amazing. You know what I think of when you were talking about that? Do you remember that scene in Dumb and Dumber where Jim Carrey's running yeah. up the tarmac and he just falls out the other side? Yep. It was basically that. So then, he, like, he gets off, and they try to unload the bag, and there's not a West employee to be seen. And uh, there's just, like, bags strewn all over the WestJet baggage carousels. Is it just because there were staff shortages with WestJet? Uh, I think it's staff shortages, and just, like, a, the flight 
flights coming in were so perturbed that people are just saying, fuck it, I'll get my bags in the morning. Yeah. So they were just leaving bags so that they could put stuff on the barge carousel. And we sat there for another hour. And the bags didn't show up. So we said, fuck it, and drove home. We got that, and like went back to my place, uh, slept for like two hours, and then went back to the airport. Power nap. Power nap, basically. We got there. His bags never got, they never bothered to put the Ottawa Flight's bags on the carousel. They just ended up in a back, a backlog room. And uh, they were allegedly shipped to, uh, they were like, yeah, we'll ship them to Penticton at some point. And, like, there was a five-hour line for people trying to get their flights amended. Oh, my God. And he just happened to talk to the right person that was just walking up and down the line who explained his ticket to him. I was like, yep, yep, everything's good. Just go to your gate. And he he did end up getting contacted. Okay, that's that's good. Man. Which that's is a good. minor miracle, let's be real. Give it all the shit that I... Mm-hmm. Well, even, sorry, even when we were talking earlier, my sister Madison lives down in California. And her flight got canceled because of the weather. My mom found a last-minute flight out of San Francisco to Vancouver. Yeah. So she got out. So Christmas morning, she got home. Yeah, and, like, as I was looking at the news and watching the snow come down Langford, it's like, Chelsea, we lucked the hell out. Yep. Did you guys... You guys got quite a bit of snow in Victoria, correct? Yeah. I would say at least a foot. Yeah, that was, like, here. And then I made a massive misplay, too. I was like, oh, I shouldn't bring my heavy boots because, like, wearing steel-toed boots through the airport's going to be a pain in the ass. It's going to make every security thing go off and just take longer. So I took a pair of, like, light leather boots. Well, they're, like, old-ass Uggs, like, five or six years old, and they weren't the best constructed. It turns out they weren't, like, stitched in. They were glued in, and the glue decided to let go. So uh, I didn't have water or any, really anything proof shoes for the few, first Oof. few days I was here. And uh, I was like... So, like, we were walking around looking at Christmas lights, and uh, I didn't want to be the person like, oh, let's go home. My shoes are so wet that they are now just laying everything through. You can and hear the squish, squish, squish. You can squish. hear the squish, squish, squish. So I'm just sitting there smiling, like, yeah, no, this is great. And uh, we get in the car to head back to Langford, and Chelsea looks down, and I've got my, my boot off, and she's like, what the hell happened? Feel the boot, Chelsea. Holy shit. <laughs> so yeah, so I bought new boots. Like so, and those are the, were those Blundstones? Yeah. Also? No, they're like Red Spy, like Redbacks, but so they're basically an Australian brand that's very similar to a Blundstone, but I think they've got like a nicer tread to them. Okay. What are those like, uh, I think they're English boots. They're the really, the high ones. Oh, the Docs? The Doc Martens? No, Doc Martens are more like up here. I'm talking like the, uh, they look like rain boots. Oh shit. Like. You know, the you, goulash is you know what I'm talking, talking about, about right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, when you were talking about that, I thought you, that's what kind of you were referring to, but... No, because I want something that, like, the other thing with the Blundstone is I want, if I don't want to wear, like, a nice, nice shoe to a business casual or even a... I can even get away with Blundstone as semi-formal. Actually, probably not. Probably not semi-formal. Mm, no. But up to business casual, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. No, that's good. I mean, I got a, I got a pair... When did I get them? Last year? Last year or the year prior. <clears throat> Loved them. Yeah. And it's funny because I I'm one of, I think the people who get Blundstones, they're the kinds of people who would not go out of their way to get Blundstones. They're like, no, oh, no, I'm not getting Blundstones, whatever, whatever, until somebody buys them a pair and they work. They're like, these are great. Son of a bitch, these are great. Well, it's like, 
they kind of have a reputation as a hipster boot. I think that's what do you think? Do you think that's why that a lot of people just I think have so. that. But it's like I thing remember like, I was talking about it, and I was like, like I thought about it. It's like yeah, the blood like a blundstone type boot would basically fit what I need it for. Mm-hmm. And then, well, sister's like, oh, you're gonna get hipster shoes. I was gonna ask, is hipsters even a thing anymore? I don't know because it's like the hard thing is is like there's kind of that crossover where like yuppies became hipsters. Yeah. So I think like that archetype still exists, but uh they're not as it's not as common as I see. They're anymore. not as outwardly common. Yeah, cuz I remember that was like 15 years ago I remember first seeing them. Ooh. Well, I guess it's like but I, I think it's, it's like in the states maybe they're more. I think according to my sister's boyfriend in the states it's it's more common, but I guess it's like it's tough because it's like there's a very, like, Hipster had a very specific mold. Like, the crappy indie music, the shitty pretending to be poor and drinking shitty beer despite being a trust fund kid. Yeah. And Dive doing, bars. Doing it all, like, uh, ironically. Ironically, yeah. yeah. Like, they were, they would be the ones that would wear, like, a metal t-shirt, ironically. Yeah. Oh, and a lot of flannel because, like, yeah, it was another West Coast thing. Yeah. I mean, I get it. A very West Coast thing to wear flannel, but when I think of the flannel, I think of, like, grunge. Yeah. Of the early 90s. Like, grunge, ripped jeans, Doc Martens. Cool stuff. Flannel shirt, yeah. Flannel shirts, yeah. But I remember, like, any if you watch any documentary or special in grunge, they always talk about how after, like, Nirvana and these bands all hit, flannel shirts were, like, 95 bucks. Yeah. And that was in 92. Yep. Well, that's, that's kind of the thing about it, is... I'm effortlessly not cool look seems to be a pretty enduring look. Yeah. And it takes a lot of fucking effort, which is kind of the funny thing about it and why it works as a status signal, status signal, counter signal. Hmm. Because you could be like, oh yeah, I didn't put any effort into this windswept hair. Windswept hair takes like hours to comb out. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. No, you just do it naturally. You just have long hair. Yeah. Which is funny. Well, I have to comb it quite a bit, right? Which is true. But, I mean, it's funny. Even, like, when we first met, because your hair was, like, very short. It was yeah. almost, like, buzzed right to the bone. Yep. Yeah. That was one of the funny things about last year when we were together was that we were looking through those old Q of A yearbooks. Just how short it was. It's just like, damn, Tim. Oh, yeah, it was funny. Uh, like, even my grad school friends were like, oh, Tim, glow- growing out the flow. <laughs> I know. All you're missing now is, like, just shaving the sides just a little bit. You can go, like, for Batherson. Just, I kind of, like, with Batherson, is that, a, is that even considered a mullet? I don't think so. Yeah. Because it, he's got, like, the side fade and the, and it's not quite that long. Yeah, that's what I think of. It almost looks like if he... Did it up in a ponytail, he'd be Skrillex. I hope you know that I now have that image of Batherson as Skrillex. Remember when, like, Dubstep was part of the meat? Dubstep fell off fucking hard, too. Holy shit. I've always considered it was never good. Well, it was never good, but it was, like, popular? Yeah. Like, was it just one of those things where it was like, haha, listen to this music, it's so trippy, wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Oh, wait, it's not actually good. No, it, it, no, you're absolutely right. It did fall off hard, man. Like, yeah, I never got into Skrillex. Like, rah, 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 rah. That's, it just sounds like you're beating a seagull with well, a fucking pipe. here's the thing, though. At least Skrillex 
Well, like, I guess the thing is EDM is still around. And it's weird because, like, I, Skrillex isn't even really, like, that deep down the dubstep rabbit hole where you could still see the artistry of Skrillex. Yeah. Well, with, like, a lot of the other dubstep that's just, like, hey, we're playing with weird slow time signatures and inverting bass and treble. Isn't that great? It's like, no. No, that's dumb. That's dumb. No, no, you're right. I mean, with Skiller X, there's a YouTuber called Mike the Snare, and he was talking about music from the 2010s, and he's talking about Skiller X. He's like, yeah, it was just, he gave songwriters a new tool to work with. So I could, at least I could appreciate him on that level, but, his, but musically I listen to him, and I'm just like, Eh. He got a lot out of the tool, though. He really did, yeah. Like, especially, like, he he kind of added a bit of edge to your standard EDM fare. Yeah. And well, it's a bit of a shame. Like, well, he came, still, out of the, he came out of the Screamo world. Yeah. But, like, went hard in kind of that. It wasn't quite, it wasn't, it was definitely still electronic more than industrial. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was good dance music. Yeah, we're industrial... Very hard edged. It, the difference between like dubstep and industrial is that dubstep is still more dance music, more than industrial. Dan- industrial was more of the industrial's rave music for sure. It's very ravey. It has a lot of rave, but it's more depends on the artist. I think if it depends if you talk about like Nine Inch Nails or Skinny Puppy or Ministry. Or bands like that, where yeah. it's they have a very distinct sound to them of how they approach it. But actually, I was just listening to Skinny Puppy the other day. I had <laughs> I don't remember the last time I ever thought about them, and I was just like, oh, I remember Skinny Puppy. I'd have to say middle school. Oh no, it's been almost ten years. Yeah, uh-huh. it was a KMFDM. That one day that you messaged me, you're like, dude, I saw a guy wearing a KMFDM shirt. I was like, that's amazing. It was like, what the fuck. It's like, I hadn't thought of KMFDM in years. I know. You're like, I remember Taylor had one of those shirts. I remember listening to, like, a few of their songs. And then I listened to one of their whole albums, like, this isn't good. Yeah. Like, that's the hard thing with a lot of those bands, is the peaks are great. The rest of it's like, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to go back to my mainstream music, okay? Okay. That's fair. So I'll talk a little bit about my holidays, man. I mean, and honestly, I haven't had much time off over the holidays. I was supposed to work on the 23rd, just but because of the weather and everything. Yeah. So we got shut down 23rd. I'm back to work tomorrow, which would be the 28th. So I've had a nice couple of days off. It's been really nice seeing family again, whatever. And obviously my sister, who's in California, came, came home for Christmas. So that was really cool. And yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where I think as I get older, I appreciate those things more. When I like, I don't need to get gifts. I don't need to get all that stuff. It's just more hanging out with people during the holidays, yeah, and just getting the time off. Because I think of this is what I think of about like, Christmas and holidays and all that stuff is that it's so stressful to the point where it's like, why are we stressing out about it? Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things because we all stress out. About, okay, we got to do this and this and this and this person's coming here and this because it's always either people traveling. People coming to the houses. Well, it's like, it, it is a big scheduling thing, making sure everyone's on the same schedule, too. Everyone's where they need to be. And it's just like, it, actually, I'm pretty bad about, it, like, stressing myself out, too. It's like, oh, I'm going to have this group of people here, this people here, here, here. Oh, okay. And then I have this project I have to work on and get all this stuff done. And, like, this year was nice because I just, 
said fuck it and took took holidays. Because, like, a lot of time, like, last year, I didn't take holidays. I actually just worked through the whole thing. Because it was like, what else am I going to do? Everything's closed. Yeah, exactly, right? But I think that's why I was saying I appreciate it more. Because, like, once Christmas Day hits, you know, the morning's always cool. You open gifts, whatever. But then there's that part of the day where it just drags on until dinner time. It's just like, this is it? Well, it's like... I think part of the problem is we also kind of hype up the day, too. Yeah. But even, like, the days, like, you have, like, yeah, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, and then you have, like, the 27th to the 30th, where it's like, what do we do now? Because, you know, you've been building, you're right, they build it up, they build it up, they build it up, and now it's just, we're here now. Yeah. Well, it's like, I I kind of appreciate those days a lot, because it's just like, oh, I get to spend time with my family, where I, like, yeah, I live out of town, right? So it's like, I don't get to see, like, here's a lot of people that I get to, I don't usually get to see that I get to spend time with, which is cool. Including this guy. Including you, yeah. But that's kind of the value of it, right? Yeah. But I think it's different with you and I because we talk every week. Yeah. (laughs) But still, we both, I think because, again, we've known each other for so long that we do greatly appreciate when we do get together and do stuff like this because it's like, and you and I always talk about this, it's different when you're in person rather than on zoom oh yeah or skype at one time thank you stuntman stew yeah that's what as soon as i mentioned skype i knew you were gonna mention the stuntman stew i mean you mentioned the end of well actually the end of skype wasn't even stuntman stew the end of skype was wrong yeah that was like one of the first things we did over zoom and we're like that was the first thing we did over Zoom. I know. Well, there was also, like, there was the time that all of us, like, Trevor Shackles and you and I lost our Zoom, our Skype handles, so we spent 20 minutes, each of us, trying to figure out what the right Skype handle each of us recovered into was. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> because, uh, thanks, Microsoft. Yeah, I just, again, that Stuntman Stu rant that he went on for, like, 20, 30 so seconds. So good. And... Again, I still mention that. I wish we had recorded that. <laughs> nobody would believe us if we had sat here and told them that. Because all you hear, after we finally got it done, he's just like, guys, got something to tell you. I'm so fucking sick of Skype. And he just went on a tweet. He goes, oh, I tried for half an hour to get into my Skype account. And it's not due. And we're sitting there and we were bursting out laughing. We're like, oh my. Well, the best part was... There was a bunch of saws going off in the background because I was doing that during a house remodel. I know, and you and I—that's and we weren't even seeing each other. We're, I imagine you and I were like, "Yeah, oh, that's great." I love Stuntman's dude. He's great. Actually, he was in the newest episode of um, Stitzville on Patrol. Oh, okay. Yeah, which I—it was the only episode I've ever seen of that show with Brian Five or Six. Is it any good? You know what? <laughs> I don't know. I mean... The answer is no. It seems like a... I, I, probably because I'm not from Ottawa, all of those references go... Yeah. Over my head. Like, it was just Brian in a cop uniform, and he's getting mad about, like, cleaning up the city. He's like, you know what? I should just start a calendar. Those calendars sell so many copies. And he's trying to get people to take pictures of them, and they're running away, and Stuntman Stu just walks up. He goes, can you take a picture of me? Sure. And he strips down to his boxers, and he goes... You know what? I could work with this. Stupid. Yeah. But go back to the holidays. I mean, 
it, again, I really do appreciate it when we get together. I do appreciate seeing family. One of the things is that Katrina and I went up to Nanaimo to see her birth mom and Boris's dad, and mm. her sister and uh, brother-in-law were there. So Katrina's birthday, or remember, the bonus dad is a chef, and he's like a very good cook. So he made, you know, the usual kind of Christmassy foods, but his dessert was like this Italian ice cream sort of dessert where he had like graham crackers on top, like crumbled. It was like that uh, chocolate ice cream, frozen cherries, and there was chocolate coating it. Oh, wow. It was okay. really good, and Katrina's birth mom made Oreo cheesecake. It was really dense. <laughs> I ate it, and I, again, I don't mind Oreos. I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan. I ate it, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's good. And then we ate the ice cream, and we're like, oh, this is great. And the look on her face was like, oh, she was not happy. <laughs> she was not happy. Oh, God, that was funny. And then, of course, I come home, and I'm like, I don't feel good, man. Just like. That's funny because, like, we went to dinner at her place. Yep. I didn't feel good. We went to my mom's place last night for dinner. She doesn't feel good. So it's like, what the hell did we eat? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we're just getting old. I think so. Can't just eat cookies for breakfast anymore. Well, I mean, we can. We, we just regret it later in the day. That's true. That's true. It's true. Like, even the, the tin that my mic's sitting on right now. That's my grandmother's baking, and she mm-hmm. has, like, jam jams and shortbread cookies and all kinds of crap in there. And, like, yesterday morning, I'm sitting here just, like, home, eating. She's looking at me going, like, what are you doing? And I'm, like, eating cookies. <laughs> what do you think I'm doing? Yeah, exactly. Now, does your mom and dad, I, I know, like, we've talked about this past, but your mom always doing the gingerbread men that you guys used to yeah. make. But dinner-wise, yeah. do you guys do anything, like, just spread? Full spread. Like, do you guys do anything different or special that they only break out at the Christmas time? Uh, not really, but it is like a full spread, like a uh, turkey dinner, yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking about the dinner at Serena and Ken's place because he did a slice of turkey. Like, not like the, you know, you cut it off the bird. Yeah. It's like, how do I describe this? It's like a turkey slice with a ham slice with stuffing. Yeah. This looked like a mini sandwich. We're cut into it. I was like, oh, this is really good. But I think the only thing with Christmas is like, the only thing was missing was my dad's trifle. It's right. The only thing because my dad, and this is a, I don't care for trifle outside of my dad's. I don't know what it is. I just taste it. And I'm like, mm, it's okay. When I eat his, it's like he does, what the fuck does he do? Pound cake. This magic trifle that I cannot pound cake, what's in it. <laughs> jello. Whipping cream that he like shakes by hand. He does yeah. it by like the miracle whip. He buys the cream yeah. the cans and does it by hand. Oh, it's so good. So good. And my my dad could li- he could make the whole thing and put it in front of me and I would eat it just to myself. I'm like, oh, thank you, Dad. I just eat yeah. a spoon. But other than that, I mean the snacky foods that we get at Christmas time is great. I know at my mom's place. Every year we do like cheese and cracker with sausage. Yeah. But we also get this this red chili jelly every year. Oh, that stuff's good. Oh yeah. my, it's so good. So good. At Christmas morning, that's what I was eating before we had Eggs Benny. But it was just... Actually, like the one thing that we do is, uh, I think I've talked about it on the podcast, is like uh, Christmas morning we'll have a pork, 
like a French style pork pie. I think you have mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, very good. Uh, yeah, and mom makes that from scratch. So, now that we've talked about our Christmas, Tim, like, let's talk about our plans for 2023. Because I think this past year, I gotta say, compared to years previous, we didn't do a ton. We did some really cool things. We Obviously, we got the, the guest co-host every month. That was really cool. The summertime, we really didn't get up to too much, other than you working with Matt Bosty. The Bosty episode. <laughs> I still remember me being in Ireland, sitting next to a river in the town that we were in, listening to the episode, and I just sat there and I'm like, oh, this is great. I thought the hockey part was great. Oh, the the hockey- anime part was hilarious. Somebody won. <laughs> Price is right. That never happens. No, it doesn't. Mm. That's not true. Chelsea wins. Chelsea won one year. <laughs> That's because neither of us won. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Because that was when we were in Calgary. Yeah, it was the Stampede. What was the original plan of Chelsea won that? Like we were going to go to the liquor store? store and like buy something, but it'd be like a photo of Chelsea in a shopping cart going, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, holding the bottles and we're just like, put the thumbs down. Like, ugh. Yeah. We never ended up doing no, that. No, no, no. That's because we we decided to buy like eight dollar stadium beer instead. Oh God, yeah. At the the rodeo when we bought the the tall cans. It's funny every time that those pop up in my Facebook memories, I always tag you guys in it. I'm like, hey guys, this totally has eight dollar lukewarm beer vibes. I mean, it was eight dollar lukewarm beer. I know, but it's funny. Even Aaron, they're like, so what? What can we get you? What kind of beers you guys got? And I knew like they had Budweiser because that's the big sponsor. Yeah. He says, "Yeah, we got Budweiser and Bud Light. I'll take a Budweiser." Which is funny because I hate Budweiser. Budweiser's disgusting, but it's like, all right. What's that or Bud Light? When in Calgary, Bud Light is not actually Bud Light's fine. It's fine. I shouldn't say it's, it's not good. It's fine for a light beer. I'm actually if I'm going for a light beer, a more Miller Light. It's Miller time. It's Miller time. Yeah, Miller Light. It's got a, it, the only thing I hate about it is the aftertaste, because the aftertaste is not very good, but that's not really here there anywhere. But yeah, I remember, yeah, the stadium beers were funny. But even like when I go to Canucks games and stuff and they still have those around. But yeah, I guess uh, for 20, 2022, we did do a decent amount of stuff. Yeah. Well, it's just like we weren't cranking out like five bonus episodes. Yeah, and I think it was just because, not, not because we didn't have stuff planned, it was just because... I was traveling. I was traveling. You were traveling. I was traveling during the summer. Then I got COVID. And then it was just brutal. It was just like... And even coming into this season, season six, like we really didn't have anything planned. We were just like... Because we didn't talk through the summer that much. We were just like, okay, well, we'll kind of figure it out when we go along. Obviously, upcoming, we've got our first half recap. Yep. So we still, I still got to reach out to somebody to talk about that. So it's going to be good. So, you know... Maybe we'll announce that later on, later on, or we'll just drop it on Twitter. Yeah, we'll be like, "Hey, here it is." Yeah. Oh yeah. By the way, here that person is. But yeah, I mean, it was a it was a good year. I was happy for what we got out of yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it was just it was just a year where we were both busy with shit. Yeah, but even when we, when I look back at some of the stuff we did, like we got to interview Lord Boschman, that was really cool. Yeah, got cool. to getting to talk with him about you know his time in Ottawa, some of the other teams that he played for. Was really, really cool. And, you know, and maybe in 2023, maybe we can get Rod Ray. Like, we were in contact with him at one time. That would be really cool. Because I think 
there's so much with Rob. I would love to know, especially during his time in Buffalo. Yeah, like the jersey rules and stuff like that. Yeah, the Rob Ray rule, what the room was like when Ted Nolan got let go and Lindy Ruff came in, playing with Hasek, just all the stuff. I mean, obviously there's stuff that we can't get on the record. Yeah. Honest thoughts of the Magoulas. But, <laughs> but, you know... But then again, I mean, even when we talked with Melissa Burgess about that, it was just like, she was very honest about the Pagoulas. She's like, yeah, it's very obvious. Like, he's not putting money into the Sabres. <laughs> yeah. But coming into 2023, I think it's one of those things. Like, we're definitely, we'll definitely try and work on some stuff. We would love to get some more interviews. We'll love to do, obviously, First half recap, second half recap. Obviously, in the springtime, it's going to be a little bit different just because, obviously, you're getting married. Yeah. Katrina's sister and brother-in-law are getting married, so we're going to be busy. But during the summertime, we're going to have some some episodes to talk about. Yeah, we're, we're going to have some fun. We are. We are. Now, ex- now looking through Third Line Plug, you and I both have our own individual podcast. Yep. You do Wild Wild Weiss. I do The Great Board Experience. For your podcast, like, what kind of plans do you have for this upcoming year? <sighs> Nothing concrete, I guess. Like, uh, I've been really lazy with that one. I don't think I've done an episode since October. Just be- It's just because your scheduling is... I, I don't have time. Yeah, your schedule... Well, I mean, you're planning your wedding, right? Well, so I'm planning that- a wedding, and I'm doing, like, five other things. So it's like finding a free night is even though... Like, that's difficult. Yeah, there's a few episodes. There's a few things I wouldn't mind doing uh, coming into the new year. A uh, few interviews, uh, some topics I want to talk about. Uh, more on the blog side, I've been working on. Uh, there's been a s- statistics project I've been working on for Weiss for almost a year, just doing the data collection. And then once that's done, uh, I'll have a nice write up about that and then probably have a episode where we'll talk about the results and that sort of stuff. Okay. Yeah, and then see, yeah. Do people believe that going first is as good as my model suggests it is? Yeah. You know, well, obviously, through all the ways, you can't really do your your system that you were doing for the hockey analytics one, where basically you were, what, analyzing team wins based on the goalies? Yeah, well, it's like, what's funny is the underlying model is, like, both of those things are actually just logistic regressions. At that point, I should just give you the keys to this podcast and be like, Tim, just do a whole podcast talking about that. Oh, well, it's funny because, like, that was, it's a shit post, but it's also, like, my first time just trying to figure out how to code up. Because, like, here's the fun thing. It's, like, now that I've got that core thing done, I know how to, in R, basically build a model to predict a hockey season. So it's basically the... The hardest part was getting data from the NHL and then cleaning it and getting it into a place where I could then estimate it. Because from there, like, all I did was I just did a simple bivariate logistic regression. So it's not about as basic as you can get. Like, it's Y equals A plus B times X, where X is say percent. Y is did they win or lose? So it's kind of... It's, it's a, basic shit. Very basic. <laughs> it's almost like... I, like, I don't want to use the reference of Moneyball. It's very vague. Very, it's like, we're getting into Moneyball, but it's not. It's nowhere near as sophisticated as what they're doing. 
like it's kind it's in the same vein as the sort of stuff that like Micah and them are doing but yeah like the I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the podcast but like it spit out the right number of standings points so like it's normalized properly but uh here's the standings and the point totals that it generated based on say percentages going into the season okay Boston is first with 156 points Colorado second 154 New York Rangers, 15th at 100. That's actually not too bad. Uh, Minnesota at 16th with 87. Montreal, sorry, Ottawa, 19th with 71. And Philadelphia, last with 10. Oof. The five-win Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> and it's just this very... They would still lose Carver at that point. <laughs> yeah. But it was just like, what's funny is the rankings are fine, but... The point totals are kind of dumb. So the next thing I would need to tweak is figuring out, okay, just saying that a team wins with uh, 50% probably isn't going to work. So I'm going to need to have some sort of fudge factor to have like, okay, if it's like the model says that there's a 50 to 55% chance of winning, then uh, have some sort of randomization that gives like a secondary just kind of random thing to add some noise to the like yeah find a way to just add noise to the standings so you get something more compressed like the actual NHL standings right because like it's funny because like the cur- the rule that I had was so the way the model works is you're running the model you're trying to predict if a team wins or loses right mm-hmm. so if it's a win the y variable is equal to 1 if the team loses the y value is equal to zero. And basically what you're doing is you're trying to fit a line through it. So you remember how from math 10 you had y equals mx plus b? Sure. Sorry, the slope plus intercept. Okay. You remember that stuff? Not really. Okay. So yeah. I was in the dumb people math too. Remember that? I I thought they had you guys draw lines. I mean, they might have. They it's might have. Been yeah. a long time. <laughs> Fair it's enough, been a long time, man. But uh, basically, all I'm doing is I'm fitting that using a formula to minimize the error. Okay. And uh, the x, like the run variable, is just save percentage. Mm-hmm. So basically, based on well, it's delta save percentage. So it's the difference, the save percentage differential between the two teams. Right. So basically, what I did was I figured out who the star- the starting goaltender was for both teams. And it turns out that that's a bit of a rigmarole, just the way that the NHL records it in their database. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember what they, what, I think what they do is they, the starting goaltender is always listed last. Mm-hmm. No, that's not true. The starting goaltender, they don't actually, the starting goaltender, every goaltender has an ID number. And then they put the winner and loser by ID number in okay. a different part of the same record for the game. Mm-hmm. So what I... But for some reason, every play-by-play that involves a goalie has every piece of information ever about the goaltender, like where they went to college, where they were born. Like, all that stuff, so that... Maybe the goldfish the head? Yeah, so it's super... Like, I've said this probably multiple times, but the API is probably based... It was probably created initially first for networks. So they could go like, oh, who was involved in that play? Pull up a... Bro- pull up a box about them so mcguire can do a mcguire's monsters for instance mm. so you have all that information that a broadcaster would want i remember when he worked for the sends no yeah it was weird right it was just like he got hired and then it was like 
Now what? Now what? But what's nice is that also has the goaltender's ID number, so then you can cross-reference the winner with an A. Okay. And then pull the save percentage for the game. And then you take the winner minus loser, or, well, sorry, home team versus away team, because the model is always cast in terms of the home team. Mm-hmm. So then if, it's ne- if the save percentage differential is negative, the away team goalie played better than the home team goalie. If okay. it's positive, home team goalie played better than the away team goalie. And then that difference is what you use to estimate the chances of winning. And if I remember the model correctly, the coefficient was like, I think the log odds were like 3 or 4%. So like a 1% a one increase in, say, percent differential increased the ch- a team's chance of winning by like 4 or 5%. Log odd. Sorry, marginal effect. So yeah, each 1% increase was, increased the win chance by like 4%. Which didn't seem ridiculous at first, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if I said, yeah, if, a, if one team has a save percentage of, point, of 0.9 and one team has 0.89, right. it's 4% more likely that the team with the better goalie is going to win. But, like, it's small but meaningful. Mm-hmm. You'd think, yeah, like, you'd be like, well, no shit. But if my cutoff rule is if a team goes above 50%, they win. Yeah. According to the mo- the model just calls anything about 50% a win and anything between 45 to 55% as the loser team gets it. The losing team gets an overtime loss. Then it's going to be like that 4% is going to have insane leverage in the model. So it's like, it's one of those things where it's like a univer a univer single variable shit post model is going to just generate dumb results no matter what. So you're going to be the shitposting version of Blake McCurdy is what you're saying. Yeah, so I might submit the shitpost model. And I have a second one that I'm trying to figure out how to cook up. Mm-hmm. The hardest part is... Uh, I'm, and it's funny that you brought up Pierre Maguire. Because I'm going to make Robo Pierre Maguire. Nice. So I'm going to have things like the differential between the tallest player... on bo- Height differential between tallest players of both teams. Weight differential. This is the hard hardest one. Degrees of freedom... Sorry, yeah. Degrees of separation from Dion Phaneuf. Like, just stupid shit like that and put it in the model. Dude, I remember when Pierre Maguire, when he got let go by the Sens, I remember somebody on Twitter made a comment about when the Habs drafted Carey Price because he was working for TSN at the time. And if you remember back in 2005, they took him fifth overall. Yeah. People were losing their minds at the fact. Because, again, Montreal still had Jose Theodore in that. They were pretty set in goal for years. It didn't seem like they needed a goalie. Everybody wanted Anze Kopitar to go to five. Yeah. Which would have made sense because that was a big weakness for Montreal. And Pierre Maguire on TSN made a comment about how they should have taken Kopitar and not some kid from the reservation. I was like, whoa. On TV and nobody called him out on it for years. It was like, and, and they played that clip and I was just like, did did he just say that? Right. So I need to put. Is the player white as a W? It's like what was it in uh, Family Guy where Peter got pulled over and the cop has like the chart. It says white for peaceful, black for riot. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like that. Oh, now, no. moving away from what you're saying about the hockey ship posting. Now with my podcast, Great One Experience. Obviously, in 2022, I didn't get. I got a number of episodes done for yeah. 2022. It was great. I got to talk to the Geo Metro guys. 
I got to do a couple episodes with Mike McFarland, who is going to be joining me for the first episode of 2023 when we talk about ways that we can improve All Elite Wrestling in 2023, because nice. 2022 for AEW was one of those years where... It existed. I, would, I wouldn't just say that. I would say, like, it had its really good moments, but I think the drama and the backstage shit overshadowed everything. Mm-hmm. And not only that, it just didn't seem... It seemed like they were just spinning their tires for the second half of 2022, but we'll talk about that when we get to that episode. Excuse me, this is what happens when I drink a fucking serious <laughs> drink. But when it comes to the Great Experience, I do have a number of episodes I do want to do this year. I do want to do more music editorials. Because like I said in the earlier episode, there's a YouTuber called Mike the Snare. I'm a big fan of his. I really enjoy his. But I've just got I've got a few artists I want to do. I want to do a I want to do an editorial under Vaughn's in Utero, Mac Miller Swimming. I mean, there's a number of yeah. albums I want to do, but I also want to do some movie reviews, TV show stuff that I want to talk about because yeah. I'm interested in that stuff. Yep. I mean, with that 90s show coming coming in the next couple of weeks. And I saw the trailer, and it's like, okay, it seems fine. It's cool that they got some of the original casting to come back, but... Who came back? Everybody, with the exception of Danny Masterson, who played Hyde. Oh, right. Because well, isn't he in jail? No, he got acquitted. Oh, okay. Oh, he got acquitted? Yeah. Huh. He got acquitted with all his charges. So, but yeah, it's going to be all the main cast minus him, but there's also some other stuff I'd like to talk about in 2023 with the, with the podcast, cut some interviews I would like to do, but again, nothing's really concrete. I do have ones that I want to do. If I get to them, cool. If I don't, it would be, be what it is, right? Yeah. It's the way she goes. Yeah. And I think for me, it really comes down to what our schedule is for third line. And I think because third line will always kind of be the main one for you. It'll yeah. Be the, yeah. Like great weights, my personal your fun one, my fun one that I like to do by myself. Third line plug is a great one. Cause that's like our main show. That's where all my attention usually is mm. on, but great weights was that I just want to talk about do little stuff, not annoy you with all the bullshit, having 20 minute rants about one album. <laughs> we had a few of those over the years. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, other than the rants, Tim, I mean, another thing that we've had over the years is a segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. Look at that, eh? So smooth, you didn't see it coming. (laughs) You did not see it coming. It was great. Now, let's talk about Top of the Hour, Tim. Now, again, we got a death to talk about. Hmm. You know how I feel about yeah. death. I don't like talking about it. Why death has to happen, I don't know. But, unfortunately, the grandfather of Toronto Police defenseman, Victor Mette, was one of the Vaughn shooting victims last week. I didn't actually know about the shooting, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, it's like... There was a lot... Like, there were multiple kind of shocking crimes that happened in Toronto that weekend. So that was also when that uh, pack of girls uh, killed someone who was intervening, a ro- who tried to stop them robbing another woman. Like, yeah, it was just a, a violent weekend. God. It's brutal, man. Brutal, and, you know, condolences to the Mete family. 
regardless of what we may have thought of him as a defenseman on the Sens, it, it sucks, right? Yeah. Now we're going to turn our attention away from something sad to talking about something positive, and that is called Ovi Watch. You know, Tim, in my lifetime, I never, ever thought another player would pass Gordy Howe in goals. Washington Capitals captain Alex Ovechkin passed Gordy Howe for second on the all-time goal list with 802 during the team's game versus the Winnipeg Jets. Ovechkin, drafted first overall by Washington in 2004, is 93 goals behind Wayne Gretzky at the time of the story. Didn't he have a hat trick that game too? Or was it just the two? Uh... Good question. I think he only had the two. Okay, we'll check him. Again, we talk about this, but it's, holy shit, he's, yeah. he's, this is legit. He's within striking distance now. Well, yeah, two seasons. Sorry, yeah, yeah, two seasons worth of goals and he's done because he's on pace for 50 again. This is another thing that we talk about is that over the years, there's certain records in the NHL that were deemed unbreakable. A lot of them being Gretzky's records. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's the ones that will never be broken, like... 2,000 points in a career. The 215 in a season, 92 goals in a season. Those kind of records will never be broken. Most goals. I think a lot of people probably would not have guessed this record was going to be broken. But I think if anyone was going to break it, I don't think a lot of people would doubt it would have been Ovechkin. Yeah. Well, it just... He's probably be well, not probably. He's been the singular best shooter the NHL has ever seen. Yeah. Because remember, he's doing this through the end of the dead puck era into the into the 2012s, sorry, the 2010s, where defenses just became so much more mobile. Mm-hmm. Goalies became not only athletic, but monster, like giant, giant goalies. And he's just picking them apart. Yeah, but he's also been benefactory of some number of the rule changes they've taken, like taking out the center line, some of the rule changes they've made into the NHL. But you know what? I would not be upset when Ovechkin breaks his record. Because, no. again, incredible. 93. I think Gretzky even said this years ago. Somebody asked him about, when talking about Ovechkin, he goes, do you think he would ever break 92 goals? He goes, probably not. All-time goals, maybe. Gretzky said that like 15 years ago. Yeah. He's like, yeah, he might break my record for that. But yeah, 92 goals, that one's never happened again. Exactly, man, exactly. Now we got another shout-out we got to give it to, Tim. San Jose Sharks defenseman Eric Carlson recorded his 700th career point during the team's game versus the Calgary Flames. Carlson, drafted 15th overall by the Ottawa Senators in 2008, have recorded 12 goals, 29 assists, 41 points in 33 games for San Jose at the time of the story. It's wild to think that Carlson's been in the league for almost 15 years. At the time of the story. Sorry, not scory. Scory, yeah. Story, yeah. Yeah. Again, it's one of those things that you don't really realize until you look back on it. You're like, oh, yeah, that guy is only, oh, God, oh, he's God. only been in the league. It's like when you think about Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby, it's almost like, oh, yeah, these guys are going to be around forever. They've only been in the league since 2004. Five, oh, They've been around 17 for 20 years. years. Yeah. But yeah, like with Eric Carlson too, it's, and the guy's going to probably have an 80, at least in a point a game season here. He might even get to a hundred. Possibly. And it's so nice. And he won't get the Norris. 
Again, I know, because it's one of those things. You know what? I'm still pissed about that one year in 2014 where he went 82 for 82. And Drew Doughty won. And Drew Doughty won it. Despite Drew Doughty not even being the best defenseman on his team that year. Yeah. I think it's, I think if Eric made the playoffs that year. Oh, yeah. He would be in serious consideration. He, well, he would have won the Norris. Yeah. But there's a very legit argument you can made for league MVP. It's a shit. It's a shame that that year was just so cursed. I know. But, I mean, Drew Dottie went on to win the Cup, too, which is just like... Okay, fine. Okay, fuck. Fine. Be that way, Drew. And then Drew's, like, turns out to be one of the most unlikable guys in the NHL. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, that's good. I mean, Eric Carlson, I'm super happy that his career's finally got back on track. That contract's going to be a big thing that San Jose is going to have to worry about if they're looking to trade him. Yeah. Honestly, if San Jose is willing to retain half, I think Ottawa should see if they can swing it. Yeah. Well, if you can get rid of Hamannick and Zaitsev. Well, Zaitsev only got the one year left, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, and Hamannick is done at the end of the season. Yeah, so that's what? That's what? seven million off the books. Yeah, I was going to say, well, what's Hamannick at? Three? Three. And uh, Zaitsev's at four. Yeah, so both are going to be gone. Even and though then Bobby Ryan, I think after next year, Bobby Ryan's uh, buyout drops below a million, and a few other buyouts. Dionphanos is done. Like that's the thing is like Ottawa's cap situation gets a lot cleaner. Yeah, in well, the next two years. Well, and thankfully, I mean, we don't really have any oh, other than Debrinkow. We don't have anybody that we really need to sign on this team. Uh, Zub's already signed. Norris. Norris is already signed. Norris is signed. Yeah, Norris signed. Dechuk signed. signed. Stutzel signed. Shabbat. Signed. All those big guys Sanderson. are signed. Sanderson, yeah, but Sanderson, I think he's got another year. Yeah. Another year or two for that, but... Because Sanderson's going to be a big money contract. Exactly. You know what I was thinking about with Carlson hitting 700? If he wasn't injured quite a bit during his years in Ottawa, I wonder what his totals would be at right now. He would be maybe pushing 800. Well, Ottawa probably wouldn't have rebuilt. <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately, it is what it is. Too, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah, I'm just trying to think of like who. Yeah, there are. You're right. There are no other real big contracts. Uh, the other thing, I guess, is the Matt Murray dead cap for two more years. Bobby Ryan buyout for two million. Like, yeah, once those pass off, Ottawa's cap looks a lot cleaner for when we do have to sign. Go after Sanderson. Yeah, go after Sanderson. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, a lot of other ones. It's like, I, I doubt Aust- if Austin Watson comes back, he's not making $1.5 again. I don't... Who knows if Tyler Mott comes back. Yeah, he's been disappointing. He's been a bit disappointing because I was always one of those guys that I was always told by the Canucks fans, oh, you're going to love Tyler Mott. He's going to come here. And it's like, what exactly has Tyler Mott done? He... Other than scoring on an empty net. Like, what exactly... If I mean, He is an offensive black hole. I was going to say, if sitting, sitting here right net, now... Pucks don't If I was to tell net. you, what if, if you tell me, Tim, what has Tyler Mott done? And I said, nobody does anything when Tyler Mott's on the ice? Yeah. That is accurate. Exactly. And honestly, not a bad player to have on your fourth line, third or fourth line. Yeah, but at that point, it's almost like, why not bring up one of the kids from the minors? Well, it's like... 
I wouldn't mind having him on, like, your fourth line and then have a third line that has, like, Sokolov, Lucini. Great name. Yeah. Like, yeah, try try playing with those guys or Chartier or something having, like having, that. Having Shark Boy and Pasta. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's, like, seeing what those guys can do. For sure, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, having a proper checking line is not a bad idea. Um, but, yeah, it's also a shit. And then, like, yeah, Derek Broussard for League Min. Yeah, that's a nothing deal, though. Yeah, same with uh, Parker Kelly at $10,000 above league minimum. <laughs> Beautiful. I love the Parker Kelly contract. Right. Montreal Canadiens have announced that they will honor P.K. Subban during the team's game versus the Nashville Predators on January 12th. Subban, drafted 43rd overall by the Montreal Canadiens in 2007, played parts of seven seasons with Montreal, recording 63 goals, 215 assists for 278 points in 434 games, while winning his lone Norris Trophy in 2013. This is very interesting to me, because when looking back on P.K. Subban's career, especially in Montreal, it's very... It's weirdly hard to find a guy who was as polarizing as he was. Yeah, and I never really got why he was so polarizing. Yeah, it just seems weird to me. It was like, the fans loved... Like, he, defensively, he was not... He, he was, was worse than he Carl was, said. He was not... Rep. Yeah, he wasn't Lidstrom. He wasn't Lidstrom defensively. Offensively, the guy could do a lot... But it was just one of those things. I think it was his loud personality. I think the fact that he wasn't great defensively. Because when you look at... P.K. Subban's one of those guys that... You have to think, was he really a bad guy? Or did the media portray him as that? I don't think he was a bad guy. Like, from the work that he did in Montreal and Nashville, he seemed like a pretty good guy. He was a jerk on the ice. Yeah. Uh, But the big thing about him has just been... It's kind of amazing how Shea Weber outlasted him in the NHL. Because I thought, like, at the time that trade was made, that PK would probably pay... Like, Shea Weber looked kind of cooked in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And PK looked like the guy who was going to continue on for several years as offensive defensemen tend to age pretty well. And then PK Subban just falls off a fucking cliff. Yeah, it's very interesting. I think because when he went to Nashville... The Predators were very defensive-minded on the back end, so you had to be very good defensively, and I think a lot of his weaknesses were exposed. Yeah. And when the offensive play didn't match that... Well, once the offense dried up. Yeah. Then it was like, holy shit. But Shea Weber... Again, we talked about this. Even if you go back and listen to like the bubble year when we were at the NHL... We talked about Shea Weber and what a culture change it was in Montreal. Because, but then again, it didn't seem like the Hab teams of like the 2010s were particularly they good. They weren't good, but it didn't seem like they were on the same page in the room. Because you had Subban, who was this very big personality, and that personality can rub people the wrong yeah. way. You have Max Pacioretty, who was the big one that he really rubbed Subban, or Subban rubbed him the wrong way. And those two got at it. And it just seemed like you always heard about Subban got in a fight with this guy in practice. Or he fought this guy in practice. Or he had a disagreement with this coach. Yeah, or what yeah. happened, right? But, I'm again, again, I'm really glad to see that Subban is... Or the Habs are finally mending, mending that bridge with him. 
Because honestly, on the back end of the last 15 years, there's not many star players other than Carey Price and maybe a handful of other guys that you could be like, that was the Montreal Canadiens. No. And, like, the hard thing, though, was, like, Carey Price was such an identity guy that he was the identity of the Habs. If Carey Price was on, then the Habs were good. But No, when he was on, the Habs were... World beaters. Yes. And what he, what he wasn't, when he was just playing, like... And the weird thing about Carey Price was, like, when he was off, he was still a good, a good enough goaltender that if he was on a team that was built properly... If he was on Tampa Bay... Well, not even Tampa He Bay would have is. cups right now. Oh, yeah. He might even have another. Like, he'd have maybe four of them right now. Four or five, yeah. But not even just Tampa. Like, if he was on, like, say, one of the tweener teams, like, say, like, if he was, like, Nashville. Yep. Or... I was, was going to say Nashville. Nashville, or even, like, some of the later Detroit teams. Those, some of the Senators teams. San Jose. San Jose, like... Yeah, he would have multiple cups. It was just those those Montreal teams were so mid. Yeah. Like, mid is the only real word to describe them. Yeah. Yeah, it was almost like the organization was being pulled in so many directions. They didn't really have a clear direction where they were going. Yeah. And even with, and we talked about this with Mark Bergevin when he was GM. I said, you look at the roster he put he's putting together in Montreal, and you look at it, they're like, what exactly is the direction are you going with this team? Like, what are you trying? At least with, like, Don Sweeney and these other GM, Shirelli and all these other GMs that were garbage. Maybe not Sh- well, Shirelli was garbage. But at least you could kind of see where they're going. Whereas with him, it was just like, he was throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. And there was no real consistency to it. Yeah. Like, yeah, the Habs felt like the Sens. Where they're up one year, down another. Yeah, it also kind of seemed even with Ottawa, where it was like, you look at the roster they put together in the early 2010s, even in the mid-2010s, and you're like, or, yeah, 2010s. It's almost like, I'm not exactly sure where to make of that team. You had your decent players. You had incredibly strong ones, too. And then it was just like, it's just like, everything seemed to just kind of, well, it was like, I think what Brian Murray was going for was this hard, hard-working skill team. Yeah. But then, like, he never got all the pieces he needed. Probably because he never had the money to get all the pieces he needed. Yeah. But then even, the and then Dorian, the Burroughs trade was just kind of odd. The Burroughs one, in a funnel, you can kind of see why they did that. Because of the fact that he was a playoff guy, he played very well in the playoffs for the Canucks. He actually played pretty well, like, well enough for the Senators, let's be honest. He did, but I think giving up what they did was kind of like, that was our reach. Then, I guess it's like, it's cold comfort that the Canucks did absolutely nothing with any of those players. Yeah. But it's even... even And the Stahlberg. Stahlberg was an underrated pickup. Yeah, I like Victor Stolberg too. That was a good one. And Tommy Wiggles was the... Pickles, yeah. Well, it's like, he gave up a seventh, so who cares, but... I know. I mean, he's not he's not Yerky Yokopaka, but... No, Tommy Wiggles. My hero, yeah. (laughs) 
So we got a signing to talk about, Tim. Edmonton Oilers have re-signed goaltender Stuart Skinner to a three-year, $7.8 million contract with an AAB 2.6. Skinner, drafted 70th overall by Edmonton in 2017, had recorded a 9-8-1 record with Edmonton at the time of the story. Now, Jack Campbell has to be fucking seething. Okay. Do me a favor. Yeah. You have your phone. Uh Uh-huh. Look up Stuart Skinner's picture on HockeyDB. It is one of the greatest pictures I've ever seen in my life. It's it's a good one. Now, I totally agree with you. Yeah, Jack... But then again, Jack Campbell has looked terrible in Edmonton. Like, worse than he did at the end of last season with the Leafs. Yeah, it's to the point where even Leaf fans are looking at that going like... Holy crap, I can't believe that, how terrible he's being. Oh, yeah. Well, it was like, the nice thing for Stewart. Look, look at, at that guy. Look at that mustache, eh? Like, yeah, no. And here's the thing, like, in a backup role, Stewart's been great. Mm-hmm. We're talking about, like, above .9, so he's giving them above average goaltending. And that's legit what you want out of a backup. So I think this is a very good signing for Edmonton. The cap might be a 2.86, 2.6 might be a little rich for a backup, but it, quality backups are hard to find. If he can play, if he can get up to 30, 30 games, you might even might as well call him your 1B because, yeah, what the hell? Yeah, but, we're getting, hell but we're getting to the point where even backups are going to be about 3 mil. Yeah. It's like in the same way that people always complain about third-line players making 4.5 million. That's what it costs to get a good one. Yeah, that's what it's, it's coming to, right? But then again, like, the other hard thing is just like, but where are you going, where are you going to get the cap space for that if the cap just doesn't go up? Yeah, and I think that's where some of the acquisitions they've made over the years is really biting them in the ass. Yeah. I think the big one for me, the Darnell Nurse contract, it's tough because, like, everything looked like Darnell Nurse was going to keep getting better, and then you just didn't. Yeah, it's a flip of a coin when you sign a guy to a big contract like that yeah. because you're either going to get a guy who completely lives up to it or you're going to have a guy that fails. Yeah. And that's where I, you look at McDavid and you look at Dreisaitl, and it's like, it was very obvious McDavid was going to get 12 and a half. I think Dreisaitl, he's easy worth... 10, 11 million right now. Yeah. McDavid is... Even, you, could, you can even argue 12. Yeah. The fact they got him at eight and a half. And he, insane. And he's got leverage. He now has leverage. He can go to Edmonton and be like, I want to renegotiate my contract. Well, I mean, the CBA prevents that, but... Do they really? Yeah. So in three years, he can't negotiate until the last year of his contract. Oh, okay. Oh, I but did, yeah, I did not he has that. leverage. For sure. And like... Here's, like, even the Zach Hyman signing so far has been better than everyone expected. Yeah. Cody Cece has been better than everyone expected. The Brett Kulak signing was actually pretty nice. But, yeah, it's like the Don- Tyson Berry, I'm surprised they couldn't get him for less. Uh, Darnell Nurse Or maybe is, they had to overpay yeah. to get him, right? I think the one thing that's been a bit rough for that... For the Oilers, has been Evan Bouchard hasn't taken that step. But really, it's just been Lambo Jack Camel. Yeah. 
Very much so. It's not on the same level as Lamo Breeze Gall. Sorry, I almost said Lamo Breeze Gall off I beat. Koskinen? Bobrovsky. Oof. Like, nothing is ever going to be Lamo Bobrovsky. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bad one. So we're going to move away from talking about the Edmonton Oilers to talk about the Ottawa Senators, because we actually have two stories to talk about this week for the Sens. We're going to start off with former Ottawa Senators goaltender Andrew Hammond announced his retirement at the age of 34. Hammond played parts of eight seasons in the NHL with four teams, the Ottawa Senators, Colorado Avalanche, Montreal Canadiens, and New Jersey Devils, recording a 31-20-7 record and a 9-16 save percentage. This is a guy... When you think of the one-year wonder, it's Andrew Hammond. I'm not saying he didn't have good. He did. I'm not saying he didn't play well in other markets. When you talk about Andrew Hammond, it comes back to 2015. That's the sole year he's going to be remembered for, because what he did was legitimately insane. Yeah. The hard thing with Hammond is like, if it wasn't for the necrotic hips, you think he would have been a starter in the NHL. Yeah, and he was, again, we always talk about this with the Sens, where we talk about back guys who could have been starters. You talk about the Robin Leonard's, you talk about the Ben Bishops. Andrew Hammond's another guy. He could have been the starter. But it's either because of injuries or the play didn't rise to that level. That's why Craig Anderson was our starter for so long. Although with Ben Bishop, it was the crease was crowded. And it's un- and he was a yeah. bit of a sieve with us. I remember that. I remember like the puck just went right through him. I don't really remember much from watching him, but I watched it. Yeah, in the few games he actually played the center. Yeah, everything. I remember pucks used to go right through him. Yeah. Okay. But it's like, but yeah, it's like Andrew Hammond. He seems like a like a really fun guy. Like on Twitter and when you see him in interviews. Same. So, same with his wife. Yeah. Same with his wife. So it's like. I'm glad that he was the sort of guy who went on that run, mm-hmm. and it's a shame that his career went down the way it did, but yeah. who knows, maybe he'll be a great goaltending coach. Yeah, maybe. If that's what he wants to do with his life. Yeah. Now we're going to close off top of the air by talking about a signing. The Ottawa Senators have re-signed defenseman Artem Zub to a four-year, $18.4 million contract with an AAV 4.6. Zub had recorded two goals, two assists for four points in 14 games for Ottawa at the time of the story. So, Artem Zub reminds me a lot of Nick Jarmelson when Jarmelson was in his early 20s. He was a guy who, when he was on the ice, things didn't happen, but the puck was where he wanted it to be. Yeah. And I think that's... That's what, when we think of a defensive defenseman in the analytics area, it's not the guy who's out there always blocking shots because he's hemmed in his own end. He's a guy who is efficient in his use of ice, separates player from puck, moves it to the offensive defenseman, and then pinches where needed to in the offensive zone. It's kind of like Chris Phillips. Like Chris Phillips, like Nick Jarmelson, like Ryan McDonough, those sort of guys. And Zub is very, very good at that. And that's what makes the Shabbat Zub pairing so dangerous is it gives Shabbat the freedom on the left side to just work his magic, mm-hmm. skate, and he doesn't have to skate as hard because he knows that Zub is there to just backstop anything that needs to happen. They are a very, very strong tandem, one of the best in the NHL when Zub's healthy. Yeah. 
I'm very happy about the the cap hit. That's very that's fair. That's a very fair for what he brings. And I know a lot of people who aren't Sens fans might look at this and be like, why are you giving four and a half million dollars to a guy who's not an offensive defenseman? But at the same time, it's what he brings defensively. Oh, the guy plays top pairing minutes. Yeah. And he plays them efficiently. If you can get a top pairing defenseman for top pairing right shot defenseman for under five million dollars, you do it. Hundred percent. And this contract four years takes him just on takes him one year onto the wrong side of thirty. Yep. So it's like at the end of the contract, if you want to cut him loose, you can. Yep. It's not like the Hyman co- like contracts like the Hyman contract where you're buying some pretty bad years. Yep. This contract is fantastic. No, absolutely, man. I, and I'm taking my Zoop sign for what I see them in Calgary. Beautiful. I know one of our followers is going to be seeing them in Calgary as well this year. So Nice. Yeah, so that's going to be a good one, man. It's going to be a good one. Well, Tim, that wraps up Top of the Air for this week, which means only one thing. So we're talking about some games. Now, we've got three games to talk about. We've got the Sens versus the Wild, Sens versus the Jets, and the Capitals versus the Senators. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Sens versus the Wild. This is a 4-2 Wild victory. Sens goals are scored by Mark Kasluk and Claude Giroux. Wild goals are scored by Karel Kaprizov, Matt Zuccarello, Jared Spurgeon, and Frederick Goudreau. Shots were 28-23 for Ottawa. Karel Kaprizov opens the scoring to make it 1-0 Wild on a one-timer. Matt Zuccarello scores to make it 2-0. Jarris Spurgeon scores to make it 3-0. Mark Kaslik gets Ottawa on the board to make it 3-1 Wild on a tip-in. Excuse me. Claude Giroux scores to make it 3-2. And Frederick Goudreau scores on the empty net to make it a 4-2 Wild victory. Now, I had to convince this game last week, obviously because we were recording... Can't say anything worse. I mean, losing practically a one-goal game. The tough thing is, is it's like, the Sens themselves played pretty well. But every, anytime they made even something approximating an error would go through Forsberg. Right. Like, just Forsberg didn't have a good game. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, right? I mean, even when we get to the next game, we talk about Winnipeg with Cam Talbot, but... The games that the Sens play versus the Wild, they're just... It's kind of like when we play Dallas. It's just kind of a slog to watch. Yeah, but like what was frustrating about this game is like Ottawa come out super high energy play, toe-to-toe or better with Minnesota, and then just something shitty goes through. And like the Capriol... Like the Capriol... I think it's the second Caprizov goal wasn't even that nice, which is what's really frustrating. Yeah. I got to say about the Minnesota Wild, you know, when talking about the NHL teams, you'll have your good, you'll have your bad, and then you have the mid. Minnesota Wild's mid. Well, haven't they always been called the Minnesota medium? Sorry, the Minnesota mild, the Minnesota medium. Yeah, they're they're the epitome of mid. Yeah. Who else? Who else would fit under that category of mid? When you really think about it, because there's just teams like Arizona's bad, Anaheim's bad, Philadelphia is bad. Who would fall under the mid category, though? Nashville. Currently, I would say Nashville. 
they've always kind of been in that wild card discussion for the lot almost their entire existence. What about what about the Islanders of recent? The recent Islanders are pretty mid. The Rangers outside of Shesterkin are mid. Yeah, I can't think of any other teams that are just like super mid. But like, yeah, Minnesota fits that bill. Maybe Saint. Columbus. Col- no, Columbus, Columbus is, is bad. Bad. Yeah, but they they for a while there. For a while they were mid. Ottawa for the early 2010s was definitely mid. Same with the Habs. Yeah. Yeah. So I do want to talk about a couple of players here. Obviously, Mark Kasselik got one goal on that lone shot, and I mean, for a tip, and they don't really ask how; they just ask how many. And that's always been Mark Cast. This season, that's kind of been Mark Kasselik's thing: fight to the net, tip. Yeah, and same with Claude Giroux. I mean, one goal and four shots. Just continuing his trend of being good for this team. Yeah. And uh, if we get three years of that, that's money well spent. Oh, easy. Easy. And like you said, Anton Forsberg had a tough night with 19 saves at .864 save percentage. He did have a tough night, but the defense didn't really help him out a ton because, I mean, you live you leave a guy like Karel Kaprizov wide open. Yeah, that's not happening. Even if it's not like, holy shit, did you see what Kaprizov did? It's like, okay, you can't do that. Yeah, it's like when you watch guys like Ovechkin and they, like, 17 years in the league, you still, they're just like, oh yeah, we'll leave him wide open. Yeah, and it's, it's tough too. And Shabbat sites of experiment needs to end. And hopefully Zub is back so that hopefully Zaitsev or Hamnet. Well, it's going to be Hetherington goes back to the A, but it's like, I would really like to see, and I'm glad that Brandstrom played this game. Zaitsev Shabbat is just not, not a winning pair. No. I'd rather Zaitsev Hamannick at this point. Sorry, oh. I mean that Shabbat Hamannick at this point. God, that's even a bad one too. Yeah. I'll get Zub back in and hopefully when Bernard Docker gets healthy, we see more reps of him. So yeah, I don't have any more comments to make on this game. If you want to head off into the second game of the episode. Yeah, let's do it. Sens versus Jets. This is a 5-1 Jets victory. The lone Sens goal was scored by Drake Batherson. Jets goals were scored by Kyle Connor with two, Kevin Styland, Josh Morrissey, and Sam Gagne. Shots for 36-24 for Ottawa. Now, Tim, I could usually just do a rundown for this game. I think it's time to break out a classic. Yep. Oh boy, Cam Talbot. Yeah, this loss was on him. How did Sam Gagne score? Like, that was a nothing shot. 18 saves, a point seven nine two. Wow. And the funny thing is, I did watch a part of this game. I watched it up until they went up 4-1. It was one of those games where, like, the Sens didn't play terribly. It was the fact that any time Winnipeg got the puck, they just threw it at Cam Talbot, and it went through. And, like, kudos to the Sens for keep for continuing to play. Yeah. Like, that was the nice thing to see, is just they didn't give up. But it's like, this is a game where... And here's the thing. I think the last two games, the Senators deserved better. And that's been the frustrating thing about this season is, well, Toronto gets to go to overtime every game. Ottawa's 
every fucking mistake ends up in the back of the net. Here's a good question. Yeah. Is Winnipeg mid? Connor Hellebuck's too good for them to be I mid. know. Dude, he's the only he's the only reason they're going anywhere right now. Well, it's like Josh Josh Morrissey and Kyle Connor have been fantastic too. Like, Winnipeg's been good this year. But it's just been frustrating to see like yeah, the Ottawa Senators deserve better. Actually, you know what? Actually, I take that back about the team. I think the jersey. I'm the lone minority. I think their jerseys are kind of mid. A lot of people don't like the logo. I don't have... I think it's more because I don't have an opinion on the jersey. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. I look at it, I'm just like... It's fine. Like, it doesn't wow me. I don't think it's great. It's just kind of there. I mean, you know how I feel about the reverse retros. I think that they should have done the Thrasher one, but yep. that's not anything. So Drake Batherson, the lone goal in this game on six shots. I gotta say, I love that move he made. Where mm-hmm. he kind of turned and just hammered it right from there. I was like, ooh, I gotta try that move out and drop in hockey next time I play. How much practice do you think you're gonna have to do to get that one going? Oof. I'm going to have to try it every time. My luck would be I hit somebody in the face with the puck. Oh, no. I've caught a puck in the face in the, in the past. The Wear only, a cage. I wore a, a half shield. Uh, I think I told this story. Yeah. Where it hit me. I don't know if you could, I don't know if you could see that on my bridge. Yeah. Little, a little cut there. Yeah. That's Described from, audio for the visually impaired. Taylor shows me the cut on the bridge of his nose. It is small. Yes. It's small and it's still visual. That's yeah, the point. Yeah. That's from the half shield. That fucking thing cut me right open. It was like, oof. Ooh. That's the only thing. I would have had a broken nose regardless if I didn't have the shield on. But, no, that was a great goal. Now, the only other comment I could really make on this game other than the, on the mid with the jerseys, David Riddick. <laughs> He's still in the NHL. But that's the other thing about this game is it's... Backup goalies suddenly becoming superhumans against the Ottawa Senators. Phoenix Copley. I could just go through all Alex Stalock, Aiden Hill. Just go through the lists of backup goalies. Spencer Martin. Yeah. It's just all these backup goalies that decide that against the Ottawa Senators, tonight is my night. I know. Remember that's when, just uncanny. Well, Spencer Knight, you completely ruined him last year. Right. He got full-on sensed. Yeah, I don't know. David Riddick, still in the NHL. When I think of David Riddick, I think of the first time I ever hung out with Katrina watching the Sens play the Flames. Yeah. Because we were in the room over there, and when she actually hears this, or she hears me yelling, she'll actually know what I'm talking about. <laughs> because, like, Riddick was still playing for the Flames, and he made a pass to Batherson, and Batherson scored on him. <laughs> and I hears, yeah, that's right, David. Out of boring. Great pass. And Katrina buried her face in the couch. She was laughing so hard. She told me, she's like, I think she came in that look of like, she was beat red. Her face was like hurting how hard she was laughing. Because I was just, I was just mocking Riddick the whole game. I was like, David Riddick. <laughs> uh, and she still said yes to me. Oh, I know. Uh, good times, good times. So, Tim, let's head off and talk about the third and final game of the episode. Caps versus Senators. This is a 3-2 to two Capitals overtime victory. Caps goal was scored by Evgeny Kustetsov, Sonny Milano, and Marcus Johansson in overtime. Sens goal was scored by Alex DeBrinkett and Drake 
Batherson. Shots for 40-25 for Washington. Alex Brinkett opens the score and he make it 1-0 Senators on a tip-in. Evgeny Kuznetsov gets Washington on the board to tie the game at 1. Sonny Milano scores to make it 2-1 Capitals. Batherson scores to tie the game at 2. And Marcus Johansson scores in overtime to give Washington a 3-2 W. So Cam Talbot, 37 saves, .925 save percentage. Huge bounce back game for him. Oh yeah. And that's the nice thing to see is like, he played like garbage, but came back and played Honestly, really held Ottawa into this one. But uh, Tyler Mott going down early in the game uh, really didn't help. Just And Charte only playing five minutes. Ottawa was effectively playing with 18 skaters for most of this game. Yeah, and that's always tough, man, when you have guys going down like that. But unfortunately, we're going to get healthy eventually. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be good. So, Alistair Brinkett is another guy I want to talk about. One goal on three shots. And not really, there's not much I can really say about that goal. It's a goal that counted. Hey, he takes them. Exactly, man. Exactly. Like I said, it's not how you not it's not how you do it, it's how many. Now, Drake Batterson, he's a guy I want to talk to you about in this one. One goal on four shots. I really like the goal. How did you feel that he played in the overtime? Because a lot of people on Twitter... We're calling for Bath in this one. Uh, well, it's like, the overtime is, well, it is what it is. There's only so much you can do on the three-on-three format. Yeah. Is it me? I'm not crazy about the three-on-three format. I think it slows it down too much. Well, it's like, I get what the idea was. I don't know what you can do to make it more fun. Maybe make the puck explode. Maybe bring back the Fox Tracks puck. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, it's unfortunate that coaches just figured out, oh, I can just make this really boring instead of really fun. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing, and you're right. I mean, I don't know how you would make it more fun. Do you go four on four? Go. Well, remember, four on four was also boring. Yeah, or do you do just straight five on five? For an extra five minutes. Who knows? Yeah, the overtime rules are weird. I, I get because... They're trying to get a goal. They're trying to get the goal. They're trying to have the time constriction they have on the rink. But also, it's just... I don't know. I'm. It's super exciting. Believe me, when a guy fucks up and next thing you know, the puck's 90 feet down the ice and the guy's going to score on you. Yeah, no, that, that's great. It's like, I just wonder how you could incent to it being more fun skill and not... I hold on to the puck behind my net. I pass it to the other guy behind my net. Then I pass it in front of my net. Then I skate a little, then skate back, then skate a little more, then skate back. And then, oh, there goes overtime. Yeah, and that's the kind of the bullshit thing about the 3-on-3 OTs. Is guys, teams figure out, okay, if we can't score, we're just going to hold on to the puck. Just play it out. Uh-huh. I think at that point, I think you need... I don't, I don't know how you could make it more fun. I think at that point, maybe do it what they have in in basketball. With the, you know, like they have the shot clock count. Do something like that. Add so, a shot clock. So you yeah. you have to move the puck. You can't just sit with it. Yeah, I know lacrosse has a shot clock too. It might work for overtime, but I yep. think you would probably lose a lot of what makes hockey hockey if you had the shot clock during regular time. True. I'm not saying you have to implement it. Just no. It. That's not a bad idea for overtime. Yeah. Have you been to any Roughneck games yet this year or no? Not yet. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, going back to OT, I mean, I, again, 
It's because it, at that point, teams play for a shootout. Yeah. And shootouts are fine, I guess. It was a very cool idea when it first came out. I think the novelty has worn off. But it's also like if you want to get a game done in a three-hour time block, you need something that has a defined, this will generate a winner. Yeah. Thing, and that's why the shutout, sorry, the shootout works. But it's like, it's because they don't want ties anymore. No, I get it. Ties are so stupid. But again, a lot of people have always argued with the shootouts is that people hate it when it's, it's like in soccer, we're determined by penalty kicks. Yeah. It's dramatic, sure, but it feels like you're being cheated a little bit. Because one bad play by your goalie, it's in. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe if, you know, it would be, like I said, it would be a neat idea to do a shot clock in overtime. I don't know how well it would translate, but... Something you could probably test in the AHL first. Yeah, exactly. Do, yeah. do it in the minors and go from there. So, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make on these games. Nope. If you have... All right. See? This is, this is what it's like to do it's it. It's efficient, first. yeah. It's efficient. I mean, I don't know how... <laughs> you wait until you see how long this episode's going to be, but that's okay. That's okay. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it, because believe me, Tim and I... Love recording for you. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play, as well as on Twitter and Instagram at Third Line Plug. I'm on both at Great Wave Kipster. You can find Tim on Twitter at M901 Honey Badger. Yeah. Yeah. So, Tim, we got three games to talk about for the next episode. When that's going to be, we don't know, but that's the fun of it. Probably so, next week. No, because I'm in the oh, yeah. I'm in the states next week. Yeah. Oh, do I have to find a co-host? Yes. No, I can't just bring Bosty back on. Oh come on! <laughs> like, hey Bosty, have you seen this game? No. no. Did you watch this hockey? No. Yeah. Anyway, so for the next episode, there's three games that we talked about. Today's game versus the Boston Bruins. Thursday, the Sens are in Washington to play the Washington Capitals. And Saturday, New Year's Eve. Oh, Saturday. Saturday's not New Year's Eve, is it? No. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Uh, I'm going to quickly look this up. Sorry, guys. Let's, let's learn to count. Okay. That's all you're missing is like... No, it is. Oh, shit. We learned to count. Saturday's New Year's Eve. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, and Saturday, we are in Motor City to play the Detroit Red Wings. It was funny because I remember like reading through uh, so many athletic articles at the beginning of the month. I was like, what are these three games against the Red Wings going to mean? And then one of them gets canceled. That's right. That's one of the things we didn't talk about was that we were supposed to have a fourth game to talk about. It got postponed. Yep. Because of the Hellstorm. Did he... Like, the Buffalo teams couldn't even get home. That's yeah. how nuts that storm did was. Did you... Oh, my God. Did you see the the videos of... Like, because the Bills were playing? And they had people with, like, four feet of snow on their truck driving away. 
No, that shit was wild. And then the Bills get stuck in Chicago. I know. And then they had the Patriots game on. Oh, here's boo. Oh, God. You know what I imagine? Because I was watching a bit of the Miami Green Bay game the other day. Was that clip from South Park where they killed the Dolphins? All I hear is, fuck are you, Dolphins! <laughs> fuck are you, my ass! Uh, the Japanese are normal now. That was a whole fucking wild episode. It really was, it really was. Until next time, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go Sims.